pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here today, and we pray that your kingdom would come. We know that your kingdom certainly comes in and of itself without our prayer, but we ask that, uh, that it would come to us also, and that we would live within that kingdom. And so we ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit, Father, that by your grace that we would believe your holy word and lead godly lives here in time and then there in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So uh, just like I did last time, that's just an example of how to use the, uh, the catechism. That was, uh, if you didn't recognize it, uh, the, uh, the second petition, what does this mean, and um, how does God's kingdom come? Those are the, the three questions, and uh, we just uh, uh, tweaked the language a little bit to turn it into a, a prayer rather than just, you know, kind of this memorization and response. Um, I do tend to think that this is a, a weakness of, of how we uh, do our discipleship processing, um, otherwise known as confirmation. You know, um, and, and it came up last week that uh, you know we studied prayer, but we didn't necessarily practice it, and uh, figure out how to take some of the things that are our regular language. You know, which I mean, the catechism is our language, and uh, and how do we take that and use that in our our devotional life and our prayer life and and the like. So uh, we're going to talk about a, uh, a simple way to pray, which uh, I've already heard just does not seem all that simple. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, but uh, um, as, I, as I've said a couple of times already, notice that uh, that is an indefinite uh, article at the beginning. This isn't the way to pray. Um, it is a way to pray. I, I happen to think it's a very good way to pray, and, uh, uh, which does not mean that it's easy. I think that this can be very challenging, uh, but I also think that it is, uh, is beneficial for us. So what I want to uh, accomplish today is uh, really uh, to, to kind of start setting uh, the groundwork for what's going on here. And in terms of what's going on in the, uh, the document, A Simple Way to Pray, uh, I, I want to dig in pages 6, 7, and 8, and if we uh, have time after that, because there's, there's a lot Mm-hmm. in that first little bit then we'll start talking about the Lord's Prayer and, and how to expand on that alright so um, I think I'll just do this paragraph at a time um, there are copies here you if you, yeah. Then, yeah if somebody needs a copy please them, yeah, them. take them you can follow along and uh, um, and if you uh, if you do want to buy them when they're five dollars um, I should have said this last week, but there is a PDF that's available online that's a different translation. Uh, It's a little bit more older English in its style. So if that's something that you like, you can just look up a simple way to pray PDF and you'll find it. Um, But but this is a pretty good translation from what I've seen, so. All right. Uh, just to remind you, Peter was uh, Luther's barber, which made him roughly his doctor in modern terms. Okay, So while he was going there to get a shave and a haircut, uh, this is also the person that he would consult for, um, for health issues. And, and so this is, this, is a, this is a fairly close relationship that they have with each other. Um, Peter actually gets himself in trouble later in life. He, uh, he kills a guy. And uh, uh, Luther... Uh, 
speaks on his behalf to try to help him out. And it does help him, but Peter was ruined after that. So, um, but he's uh, in the conversation. At some point, he asks Luther you know, about his prayer life. Luther had a very robust prayer life. It was very much established in his monastic experience. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, but one of the things that Luther was really good at was having very high um, aspirational goals that were very well mixed with pragmatic understanding of life. You know, sometimes you can have goals that are very aspirational that are so high in the sky that they have no basis in reality. He understands life. And so when he starts talking about how things should be, um, he has a good sense of kind of the brokenness of life, the busyness of life, and, uh, and, and how those things balance out with each other and how they, they live in tension with each other. So he starts out, he says, Dear Master Peter, I'll do my best to show you how I approach prayer. May our Lord God help us all to do better in this regard. Amen. What was that? A prayer. Yeah. Peter, we're going to talk about prayer. Let's pray. And and this goes back to what I was saying last last week, that we learn to pray by, by praying, by listening to prayer, by joining in prayer, all of those things. You know, because prayer is not something that we do on our own. It's something that God empowers. It's something that the Spirit gives us. Uh, Prayers are prompted by, they flow from, they're empowered by faith, which itself is a gift from the Holy Spirit. So all of this is is, is going back to God. Uh, and, And it's really a gift of His grace. So... What we're going to see as we go through this is that uh, we're created with for a relationship with God, and our hearts long for Him, and and so there's dialogue that happens there, and God speaks to us in His Word, and we speak back to Him in prayer, and I think that this is is fairly universal. You know that it's not just Christians that have this desire for God. You know, we are the ones who know the one true God, and we are the ones who know the one who actually gives life and salvation. Uh, but this is something that I think is hardwired into us, so to speak, that it's part of how we are made, because we're made to live with God. And so have you heard the old saying, there are no atheists in foxholes? <laughs> yeah, um, there, there's something there that if you scratch the surface hard enough in the right places we begin to, uh, to find that people, uh, you know, they, they long for something more than just themselves or, or what the world offers or what the gods of this world offer. Um, you know, and when I use that word gods of the, this, the phrase gods of this world, you know, people have all kinds of gods you know, where they turn to for their comfort and for their strength. Um, there's, a, uh, there's an author by the name of Neil Gaiman uh, who wrote a book called American Gods. It's a fascinating book. Uh, it, it's a piece of fiction, but I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of interesting thought that's going on in there. 
notice I said interesting. I did not say wholesome or you know godly or any of those things. Um, you know, it, it's uh, yeah, um, but it's very entertaining. Um, and he talks about how when people came to America, they brought their gods with them. And, and so the, the mythology in this book is that there's all these old gods hanging around, like, you know, Odin and Loki and, you know, all, you know, the different gods from different countries, Vishnu and whatever else. And they're actually at war with the new gods. And I, the new gods are the ones that I find really fascinating. Is, is that Neil Gaiman? Neil Gaiman, yeah. Well, Stars has it on. They have made a, uh, they have made a TV version based on it I yeah I've not I don't know anything really about that I've only you know read the book so I don't know have you ever gone to a movie and said that was just awful because it had nothing to do with the book yeah so I I I I, I don't know it it could be very faithful and very true in terms of the text or it could be crazy yeah um and and either way it's going to be fairly awful because the book is pretty violent and there's a lot of things that are fairly grotesque in there um, but um, the new gods are what fascinates me in the book. The new gods are things like technology, um, you know, pleasure. Uh, it, it just all these very, you know, out there kinds of things that, that people are dealing with now that are, you know, the things that they're wrapping their lives around. Um, so I, I think that, you know, there's a desire here in all people to want to speak to God. Has there ever been a culture that didn't have God? Um, it's, it's getting there. I, well, <laughs> you got to be careful with that, because there there is um, there is a strong push in a, for atheism in in some circles. Um, but as a Christian, we would look at that and say that you know you you claim to be atheist, but you've just put up a different altar mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm which isn't necessarily mm-hmm. to no God, but maybe to the God of self mm-hmm. or to the God of reason. Or pleasure. Or yeah. yeah, yeah. What they believe in. Right. So um, whether or not you know, they uh, outwardly manifest prayer or some kind of religion, there is something there. Mm-hmm. Something that is more important and higher than anything else. Right. Pleasure, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, what you what you mentioned was that uh, a lot of people wouldn't recognize those things as gods. Right. They don't realize that they're really, you know, worshiping that particular mm-hmm. thing. Right. Yeah, you know, and that's why I I really like Luther's definition of what is a god when he says that it's whatever you place your trust in. It's wherever you go for your comfort. You know, and so when everything's going wrong, what do you turn to? Mm-hmm. You could turn to your intellect. You know, I'm a really smart person. I'm going to figure this out. You could turn to your bank account. We've been very frugal, and uh, so we're okay. Uh, you know, or you, you could turn to government. <laughs> you know, the government is going to take care of us. You know, and so on and so forth. And, and all of these are, you know, small g gods. But notice something else about these things. Are any of them in and of themselves evil? No. No. Intellect is a good thing. Government is intended to be a good thing. You know, uh, saving money and being frugal can be a very, very good thing. 
but when it gets in that place of being this is this is my security this is my comfort it's the thing with a capital T yeah then it becomes a problem yeah all those things you mentioned were are, were established by God yeah yeah, and as I, I've said before, and I'll probably say for the rest of my life, there is no good gift that God has given to us that the devil can't twist to his purpose. So. Luther continues, he says, First, sometimes I feel I'm becoming cold and apathetic with, about prayer. This is usually because of the things that are distracting me and filling my mind. I know this is a result of the flesh and the devil always waging war against me trying to prevent me from praying. When this happens, I like to take my little book of the Psalms and sneak away into a little room, or if it's the right time or day, I like to go to church with other people. What he's describing there is spiritual warfare. You know, that's, that's a phrase that we don't often use as Lutherans, um, partly because of the way that other people have understood what, what it means to be in spiritual warfare. You know, why would we be cold and apathetic about prayer? Because we're busy. Yeah, and it's probably because we're feeling cold and apathetic about all of God's gifts. You know, including our salvation and our, our forgiveness. Because, <clears throat> like he says, these distractions that fill the mind. Yeah. What kind of distractions would fill our minds that would be, you know, driving out God? Well, I should do this first before I start praying, or maybe I should wait till I brush my teeth and then pray, or I've started my day already, uh-uh, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Set up all these... Uh, and our mind wanders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think people think they have to be formal to pray to God. Sure. Technology. Technology is a huge distraction. Right. Yeah. Um, I deleted my Facebook and Twitter apps. I didn't delete yeah. the accounts. I'm always tempted to just... But I deleted the apps. They're not on my phone anymore. Maybe people want instant response to the prayer. They're so used to instant replay, instant this and that. Yeah, I, I like to call that Burger King spirituality. <laughs> I want it my way. Yeah. I want it right away. And a lot of us, I think, are afraid we're not going to do it good enough. I think that's the yes, German in us. Okay. Yeah, there, there is that, but I'm not and sure judging. that that's what distracts us. No. Mm -hmm. You think so? That, that because you feel like I'm not going to do it good enough? That yeah. You don't always think it. Okay. It's a way of approaching life. I'm going to okay. mess right. up. I can't, I'm not going to put the silverware in the right place. Right. This drawer should be used for that, not something else. We're always judging ourselves, and we judge our prayer life, and we always come okay. up short. All right. Because there's people who will say, why don't you pray for me? Like, your prayer is going to work, and mine isn't. Right. <laughs> yeah. I struggle with, like, I must say I'm going to pray for people a hundred times. I hear something. I just told our... I was going to pray for him for his surgery Wednesday. And, like, Wednesday will come, and I probably won't think of it. Right. And then we beat ourselves up later. I, I now start to say it immediately. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the things I've started doing, too, because I've noticed that yeah, with myself. You know I mean? I'll pray for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then later I forget. Mm -hmm. Do you have a minute right now? Let's pray. Yeah, I'm doing you know. that. 
you know, there are all kinds of distractions that, that fill the mind. And uh, um, I'm forgetting the name of the book, but it's bit by Jonathan Fisk. And um, he says, the devil has one trick. And that trick is to take Jesus away. And he'll do it in any way that he can. And there's a great example of this from one of Jesus' parables in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. And this is the account of the sower. You remember this, uh, this parable? It says that there was a sower, not oh, yeah, yeah. sower, but a sower throwing out seeds. Mm-hmm. And he went around and he's sowing seeds and some of them landed on the roads. Some of it landed among the rocks. Some of it landed among the weeds and some landed on good soil. What happened to the seeds that landed on the road? Yeah, the, the, the birds came and they ate it, right? It got trampled underfoot or it was eaten. So the seed was snatched away. What happened um, to the, uh, the the seeds that fell in among the rocks? They flew away. I can't remember. They flew away. No, they, uh, they sprouted quickly, but they didn't have root, yeah. Yeah. so they withered. Okay. And, and then the ones that fell among the weeds? They got choked out, and I think it's interesting, some of the Gospels even talk about what choked them out. It was the worries and troubles of this life. Right. Okay? And then that which lands on good soil produces a crop 30, 60, and 100 fold. And what you've got going on in there, in all of those, those cases, is that in the case where it lands on the seed, the birds, they come, it's just completely taken away. Without the depth of, uh, of faith and the nurturing uh, of God's word in the person's life, you know, they can't take root. And so, you know, when things get a little bit hot, to continue with the kind of the metaphor, they wilt. They, they don't have the, the, the strength to, um, you know, to, to live the life and, and they end up dying. Then the, the ones among the weeds, we already talked about how the troubles and the worries of this life, you know, the, these are all these distractions yes. that are working in, in our lives to keep us from receiving what Jesus wants us to have. And prayer is one of those gifts that he gives that, that the devil does not want us uh, to have. Um, you know, so I think it's good for us individually to look at what distracts you. What fills our minds to keep us from hearing Jesus and trusting in his promises? And while there might be some things that are are pretty generic, there are going to be other things that are probably fairly specific to each of us. Mm -hmm. And... uh, um, and this is one of those moments where, you know, sometimes you have to look closely at, you know, what's, what do you do? What are the rhythms of your day? What are the things that uh, grab your attention right away? I'll tell you, um, at our house, one of the things that's very distracting is children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just are. They just are, yes. They're also a reason for prayer. <laughs> a need. Yeah. But, but, you know... Sometimes you have a choice. You can pray for them or you can kill them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes there's something in between the there, too. But, you know... <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Um, but there are just things in life that, that pull us away. Right. The to-do list. And Luther's actually going to talk about some of that and how some of that's really important stuff. 
Amy. Sometimes I wonder too, and if really deep in our hearts, we don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. Yeah. Because if we really thought prayer was going to do what God really says prayer is going to do, it would be more important than checking your social media or that 10 extra minutes of sleep or whatever it is. But I think probably deep in our hearts, we know we should and, and we know it's good, but do we really believe it's that powerful? Yeah. Because I think then we might, I might be more willing to find the time to do it. So that because that's it will going be that important. Yeah, and that, that speaks to the condition of our heart. Right. So I know that, that a lot of times we, you know, even the way that we're talking thus far, it's these kind of external things that, that distract, mm -hmm. but not all distractions come from the outside. No. You know, and, uh, you know, we talk about these, these three enemies um, that, uh, that we have spiritually. We got the devil, a dead marker, um, the devil... He didn't want you to write it. <laughs> exactly. He didn't want me to write it in green. Yeah. <laughs> um, the world and our own sinful nature. You know, my, my brother's uh, a uh, combat engineer in the Army. And uh, so one of the things that he did in Iraq was he built forward operating bases. And one of the things that he would talk about is, you know, you would you would build these walls and you know and you would defend them and, you know so that the people on the inside would be safe you know and so this has become a really strong image for me in terms of you know the, the christian life that you know there are things that we can do disciplines and habits that are like walls mm -hmm. to kind of try to keep the devil and the world out um you know and so we might think about uh, how we entertain ourselves. We might think about, you know, what uh, um, what kind of activities we're going to participate in, um, what kind of habits, you know, going to church every Sunday, you know, those kinds of things that are going to have to build the walls. Um, but if these are always on the outside, guess what's right here in the middle of it all? Your heart. <clears throat> yeah, our own sinful hearts. And it's, it's really hard to defend from the things that come from the inside. And I wonder sometimes, do you, I'm sure you remember the skit, you know, the devil made me do it, the devil made me do it. Mm -hmm. I think because our, our hearts are, are in such a state that, that and, and so broken and, and so covered with sin that we don't like to take responsibility for ourselves that we're always kind of looking to push the blame to these other things, it would really do us some good to look at our hearts and to know our hearts and to know what are the things that tempt us and the things that distract us. But you can't protect yourself from that. No, you can't. In truth, in truth, you can't protect yourself from any of these mm -hmm. things. So, so check this out. When we pray, thy will be done, yeah. how is God's will done? According to the Catechism. God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature that do not want his kingdom to come or his name to be hallowed. All of this is really about going back to God, which is really what prayer is all about. It's, it's speaking to the one who has spoken his promises to us. And 
he works in us and he gives us a spirit so that we can start to identify these things. He's shaping us and he's forming us so that we can recognize temptations often, whether we choose to act on them or not. You know, we know when we're watching a, a show that we probably shouldn't be watching that. Or, you know, we know when we have a desire in our hearts, whether that's healthy or good and holy or not. But that doesn't mean that we're going to change, go in the right direction because that sinful heart on the inside, it's always ready to play the traitor. Sometimes the, the preachers on the radio, if they don't say it in so many words, the invitation is there. If you pray the right way, you will get what you pray for. Yeah. Well, then there's a fear that you're going to pray the right way, but it's not going to be the thing that you really should have. Yeah. And then maybe God's going to do what you prayed for when you really would have rather done something else. And then and that's dumb. But it's, I think, a real fear sometimes, even if we don't put it into words. What if God listens to us and we're wrong? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He does say, you know. But he knows yeah. your heart. What if he rearranges it? Yeah. Yeah, but the I mean, there's that, the that even when you know but, that, that it's not going to happen that way, there's that. Yeah, he also part. talks about people who do things in this kind of public way, and he says, you've received your reward in full. Yes. You know, he knows what's really behind that, and says, you got what you wanted. You know, the, the, the notice, the whatever, the earthly whatever. So, he, he knows. There's, there's no gaming God on, on prayer. No. My, uh, my now, I'm praying it now. You know what I get left with is, I didn't think I prayed good enough. Like, yes. yeah, I, saw, I saw Art, I told him I would pray for him. I walked in and I said, Lord, please be with Art on Wednesday and those who care for him, amen. And I think that's like, it's not a good enough prayer. <laughs> I don't know. I think you covered all the bases. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we, we do judge ourselves. We do judge ourselves. Yeah. Or holy enough. Right. Because we're trying to, we're, we're always tempted to bring it back to this is about me. Yeah. But it's not. It's about God and what yes. he's going to do and what he has promised. Don. You know, it kind of fits your sermon today, but the first two paragraphs to me are kind of awestruck just that, he didn't make it about himself. He made it about how, like, he's weak in prayer at times also. And that, he could have pontificated, you know, to this guy, to the barber, said, look, this is the way you have to pray. He's saying, look, I have faults too. And yeah. uh, it's just amazing how he did that. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that makes this a real gem, is the humility that goes into it. <clears throat> and nobody could ever accuse Martin Luther of losing track of his humanity. No, no. <laughs> No, and and I think that that's one of the things that makes him important, yeah. you know, among all the saints. You know, most of the time when we think of of, uh, of saints, and I don't necessarily mean we like the people in this room, but just kind of generally, we're, they're they're people who are better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're perfect, you know. And boy, Luther shows us over and over again he ain't. You know, and, but he lives by this grace that that we all need so badly. And you would think that after all these years since we separated from the Catholic Church, we wouldn't still be 
affected by because that's yeah. what they say is these people were perfect right. and if you pray to them you can get some of their perfection for yourself and I think there is still part of that yeah we're, we're between the Catholics and the other guys Protestants yeah well there's you know and both of them do some good things but both of them messed up and I think we're continually being pulled one way or the mm -hmm. other no that's one of the things about Lutheranism we try to live in a tension mm -hmm. mm. yeah. there was a I think it's, is it John Wesley? That his name? There's what John and there's Charles. Okay, what, whichever one. One of the Wesleys. Yeah, one of the Wesleys. <laughs> their, their mother had 21 children. Oh, yeah. And wow. she was, uh, when she wanted to pray, she would take her apron and put it over her head mm. so she could have time with God. So you talk about distractions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the kids knew that they weren't to bother her. Yeah. And mm. that's what she would do. Well, so we can all put our aprons over our head if we don't feel like we have a moment to uh, spend time with God. Yeah. So things that distract us, um, I, I want to raise just a couple of them that I think are particularly pertinent. Um, Postman, I think it's Neil Postman, uh, wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. So this isn't even a Christian book. And he's recognizing this problem that we have where uh, we want to be amused. And, and it's actually corrosive in, in our relationships with people. And, and it hurts us in a lot of different ways. So, you know, our, our entertainment and the things that, uh, that you know, we wrap ourselves around. Um, and then <clears throat> for me, as I'm watching the world, I think another really big um, thing that distracts us and fills our minds is politics. Yes. You know I mean, I, I mean, I've seen people get twisted about politics. I get twisted about politics, you know, and so I'm, I'm you know, but I, I really think that this is, I think that this is one of the new gods. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that it hasn't been around before, um, but I, I think that this is one of the new gods for America, that, uh, you know, worshiping our political parties and, uh, uh, and all of this, and it, it is idolatry. Mm -hmm. And I think it distracts us and it steals our peace. Um, and so this is the result of the flesh and the devil waging war uh, against me, he says. Which, you know, I love that. You know, because as much as we recognize that we are sinners, uh, we're also recognizing that we are saints, that we're people who are forgiven. And Paul speaks about this beautifully in Romans chapter 7. Uh, and it bears reading um, just because I, I just love the way that it, it, it puts us where we, we, we understand this tension that we have in our life that it's almost like we have our feet in, in two different kingdoms, um, the kingdom of this world and then the kingdom of God, that we are people who have been redeemed and who have been saved, and yet we find all this brokenness. And, and you probably know this, but he writes, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. Mm -hmm. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. 
Catch what's going on there? We've got both of these things at work inside of us. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. That's this, this new creation that God has created us to be. And I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind that ma- and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So even him, as he's looking, he's saying, you know, I've got these tensions, these things that are going on. I want to do what's right, but I don't. And it's the same thing Luther is talking about. And where does he place place his hope? Thanks be to God for Christ Jesus. And that's that's where Luther is, is pointing us to. And he's basically saying, this is what gets us into prayer. It's Jesus. So Luther's answer to these spiritual attacks is to go and to read the scriptures, whether that's individually or it's go to church because that's where the word and the sacraments are. And basically what happens when we do that is we begin to fill our minds with God's word. And God's word and the spirit of God working in the word draws us back to Christ. And he's putting his trust in Jesus to make this happen. And what Luther is actually talking about is meditation. And meditation is a, uh, it's a word that's taken on a lot of different meaning in our, our current culture uh, because we're, we've become very influenced by, by Eastern meditation. You know, and uh, Eastern meditation says that what we need to do is we need to empty our minds and we need to get rid of desire. You know, yeah, the, <laughs> if you didn't hear that, she said, uh, uh, some people have empty minds to begin with. And, you know, <laughs> we all take turns. Um, but uh, uh, when we think about meditation, uh, it, you know, really, it is a Christian concept. Read the Psalms. You know, even in Psalm 1, he speaks about meditating upon God's word. And, uh, and so instead of uh, trying to empty our minds and get rid of desire, Christian meditation urges us to fill our minds with God's word and then to begin to desire God, to desire what he does in our lives and the work that he's doing, to actually you know, even desire his presence, you know, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, you know, that, that he would be with us. And as I, I was thinking about this, you know, remember, this isn't a perfect image, okay? So, but remember when you were dating uh, and you just really wanted to be with the person that you were dating? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for my wife, that was like 100 years ago. And she, <laughs> last time she wanted to be even, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, I think that there's something like that in our relationship with God, that we would want to be with him because he wants to be with us. And that is just good. That there's a sense of wholeness and wellness and peace when we are connected with him. Because I want to be good, except for the part of me that doesn't. Right. And so Luther continues, and um, he says, I begin my by saying the Ten Commandments out loud to myself, then the creed, and if I have time, I like to repeat certain sayings of Christ or of Paul 
or the Psalms as the children do. I love that. You know, memory verses. Mm -hmm. They're a good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is why it is such a good idea to start your day first thing early in the morning by praying and then make it the last thing you do at the end of the day. This way you can prevent lying to yourself by saying, oh, I can wait a little while. I'll Mm -hmm. pray in an hour or so. But first I need to do this or that. It is this kind of thinking that will have you believe something is actually better or more important than prayer, particularly if some emergency demands your attention. So he becomes kind of uh, programmatic in terms of you know, how you might do this. and he, he encourages us to say the commandments and the creed. Basically, you know, he is talking about the law and the gospel. You know? What is the law that condemns our sins? And what has God done about it? I mean, that's, that's the story of the creed, right? Who God is and why he loves us and what he's done to show that. It's the story of um, a creature relating to creator. It's the story of the saved, because we're saved from the law, to our savior. And, and the story of the body to the spirit. That apart from the Spirit, you know, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. But because the Spirit is in us, we are alive in Christ. And he's bringing us back to this this great drama that God has put into this world. That when he created it, he created it with this order that is represented in the Ten Commandments. And yet, when that order is broken, what does God do about it? He remains a providing father. Jesus comes and he redeems us from our sin by giving himself for us. The Spirit calls, gathers, and enlightens us and and brings us into the church and makes us his people. And so he's being very practical in terms of where he's pointing us. And again, memorizing scripture, you know, even just a few verses can be very useful. You know, there there are a couple of verses that you have walked with in my life for a long, long time. Um, Hebrews 13.5 13.5 is one of them. Be content with such things as ye have, for God hath promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Mm-hmm. It's my confirmation verse. You know, we, we've lived by that a lot of times. You know, I remember on Vicarage when we had nothing, you know. Be content with such things as ye have. Be content with nothing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, you know, but it, but it put the focus back in the right place. And God does that with all kinds of verses, and, and he brings them to mind. Um, and it's an opportunity to, uh, to meditate and to have those things rolling around. I also think it's interesting that he says to do this at the start and the end of the day. Uh, remember how Luther started his career. He was a monk. He lived in a monastery. And the rhythm of the monastery is that there were prayer times eight times a day. How absolutely impractical to say, oh, it's two in the morning, I need to get up and do matins. Oh, sun came up, now it's time for lauds. You know, I mean, you can't live like that. And so he basically says, how about we shoot for two? <laughs> and then remember to pray at our meals. Because you've got work to do to provide for your families. And, and I want you to catch this, that that's actually important. 
the work that you do to provide for your families, to serve others, that is actually important. Because under the monastic system, the thing that was important was what the monks did and what the priests did. And Luther just turns that completely around and he says, no, God's spirit is at work in all of us and the work that you do actually matters. Luther once said that, um, that he felt that uh, the, uh, the work of a mother changing diapers was more noble than what many priests did in their careers. Yeah, so, you know, he says there's these two times a day that you have this great opportunity because things are either just about to gear up or they're starting to slow down. And he says, take some time there for prayer. And notice for him, prayer always begins with God's word. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to outsmart ourselves and have whatever we're going to use right there next to the bed absolutely it is good to have uh, you know strategies and you know things to i mean we're talking about habits mm-hmm. you know and, and so you know there are a lot of things that we can learn you know about you know okay where do i place this where do i stand how do i position myself for all of these things because we're creatures of habit and mm-hmm. those things all help us get into mm-hmm. the, the the mode that we need to be in and, and I love what he says here. It's to keep us from lying to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, has it ever happened to you that, you know, you had set aside time for devotions and all of a sudden, you know, this is more important or I need to take care of this or, you know, Becca knows that happens to me because then I grouse about it the rest of the day. No, not But it's, it's, it's generally my own stupidity. I mean, sometimes things happen, and, and, and he even he addresses that, right? Sometimes emergencies come up. You know, and, and, but often it's, you know, well, I better take care of this first. Or this would probably be better if I do this. Or this is more important than what I was going to do. He's like, yeah, don't, don't lie to yourself. Now, in the cases of emergencies, should emergencies maybe take precedent over our devotion time? Depends on what the emergency is. Well, yeah, we got to make sure it's actually an emergency, right? You know, the kid just fell down the steps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how bad is he bleeding? Well, you is pray as you get there. Is <laughs> <laughs> an emergency is bruised. Do you bruised want to heal? Yeah. Do Do you want your uh, Do you want your doctor? You know, if you're having a heart attack, do you want your doctor to say, um, "I'll be done with my devotions in ten minutes." Yeah. And I'll be with you then. Right. So I think the prayer changes. Because I know when I'm in emergency, that's when I cry out to the Lord. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a a steady devotional habit. Yeah. But I still am praying and crying out to the Lord to help in whatever the situation may be. Yeah. And, you know, and there are some works, you know, I mentioned well, yeah, doctors, well, I, I say, nurses. I'm and praying, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, the but there are some jobs, I mean, they are driven by emergencies, you know, doctors, nurses, police, fire, there are others, you know, and that's what they are called to do. And My cardiologist ends every appointment with, may I pray for you? Oh, that's and wonderful. right then and there, he says yeah. a prayer. And that means a lot, and it tells me a lot about his heart. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, but what happens then is that the emergency becomes the prayer. Um, but I, I, I think we do need to be careful of our ability to uh, participate in self-deception. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Stephen Covey, uh, Five Habits mm-hmm. of, uh, is this seven? seven. 
Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. See, I, I only got two of them, so I thought there were five. Um, but uh, you know, he talks about the tyranny of the urgent. Are, are you familiar with this concept? Mm -hmm. You know, that there's always something that's just demanding your attention. You know, and there are some things that are um, urgent and important. There are some things that are urgent and unimportant. Um, and uh, there are some things that are not urgent and important. And there are things that are not urgent, but they're seen as emergencies. You know, and it takes some wisdom to, to recognize those things and to actually invest your things in the things sometimes that are not urgent, but still essential. You know, and I would say the devotions are one of those things. There is no pressure from the outside to make sure that you do your devotions. No. But boy, oh boy, you know, are they important? Mm -hmm. Do they make a difference? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, in, in the next chapter, he gets into this idea of, of work as prayer. Um, I, I think that this is hugely important. Um, the monastics had the saying, ora et labora, um, to work and pray. Um, but Luther sees work as an act of faith. Uh, work is the place where faith acts. You know, uh, so you go to work and whatever your job is, you know, you're using the gifts, the talents, the abilities that God gave you to his glory. And you're doing the best work that you can for the benefit of God and for the benefit of your neighbor. You know, and, and that becomes a very prayerful type of thing. Because our hearts and our minds are focused on God and on neighbor. Um, and, and so your work becomes worship and prayer. He then speaks about unceasing prayer. And uh, I want you to notice, um, this is on page 7, uh, the, the first full paragraph. Um, Christ talks about unceasing prayer in Luke chapter 11, verse 8. Notice that the, the, uh, the 8 is in um, these brackets like this. Um, that's because when Luther existed, there were, no, there were no Bible verses. In other words, the numbers had not been put on the verses yet. Um, the, uh, the chapters uh, were numbered in 1205 by Cardinal Langton, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and that became kind of the standard uh, on all Bibles. So they all had chapters at Luther's time, but they didn't have the verse numbers. The verses didn't come. Uh, the New Testament came in 1551. And then the Old Testament in 1571, uh, by, they were put together by Robert Etienne, who was a French publisher and a scholar. Um, I need to do some more reading on this guy because the little blurb that I had on, on uh, Wikipedia, I was just fascinated by the list of books that he had put together. He worked with Luther's stuff. He worked with Calvin's stuff. He just had everything. And so kind of, kind of fascinating. Um, so a lot of times when you find um, early Christians all the way up until Luther's time uh, quoting verses, they play a little bit fast and loose and you know, with, with quotes and citations um, for two reasons. One, they didn't have the modern, modern standards for citation that, that we kind of hold to. And often they're just doing it from memory because they didn't have the ability to just look it up like that. And then he gets back to uh, this idea of spiritual warfare. And I think that this is really important in terms of why should we pray? He says the devil is not lazy. So why should we pray? Because we need what God does when we pray. 
We need him to change our hearts. We need him to protect us, to defend us. We need him to sustain our faith. And from here, he's going to uh, um, show us a way uh, to pray that draws us into God's word, where the spirit works, uh, and then also speaks about what does God ask me to pray about. All right, comments or questions before we wrap up here? All right, let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you teach us that we should pray without ceasing uh, and, and that we are blessed when we meditate on your word um, night and day. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for that word and for this gift of prayer. And although we recognize that we do not always use your gifts of word and prayer the way that, that you intend for us to do, we ask for your forgiveness and for the continued work of your spirit to shape us and to make us people who are always uh, using our gifts and ability, who are always in communion with you and calling out to you and trusting in your good gifts. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week, everybody.